Now, it's time for the Cybersecurity News Bite with Jim Guckin. Cybersecurity News Bite, episode number 58. For May 28th, 2023, we're entering the summer caution season when it comes to your network security. Size doesn't matter when it comes to cyber attacks. Hotpixel checks CPU temp and power changes to steal your data and Enhanced Legion Credential Harvester targets SSH and AWS credentials. Welcome to another episode of Cybersecurity News Bite. I am Jim Guckin, your obnoxious host, I assume, at this point. Uh, we've been doing quite a, quite a few of these. Um, but uh, this week, we've got a bunch of good stories that I am just excited to uh, tell you. Uh, just as a slight programming note, if you're some kind of calendar nerd, you'll notice that today's date is on a Sunday, uh, and I stopped recording on Sundays a while ago, I started doing the, the, well, I shouldn't say I stopped recording on Sundays, I stopped publishing shows on Sundays, and, and I moved more to a publish on Mondays uh, kind of thing, um, but I'm trying to get this show out on uh, tonight, Sunday night, uh, just because tomorrow in the U.S. is Memorial Day, uh, and, you know, I, I, I'm trying to not post a show on Memorial Day. Though, you know, it's 50-50 with, with the way my attention span works sometimes. It may go out um, tonight, may go out tomorrow. At least I tried, all right? That's why the show is on a sun, Sunday date versus the Monday date. Uh, anyway, uh, really important thing I want to talk about, being that this is uh, in the U.S. Memorial Day weekend, which typically is the start of summer vacation season. Uh, and what does this mean for people like me in information security? Well, uh, it's not good. Uh, this is the time for attackers to kind of ramp up their attacks. Uh, mostly, as I said, because this is now the start of the summer vacation season. So there are a lot of people who start taking off in June, July, and August. Um, you know, when the kids are out of school um, and, you know, people tend to be an easier target when they're not, you know, in their normal environments. And this is not just me saying this. Uh, in fact, you can look kind of through history uh, back at this date for the last couple of years, at least, and start seeing a pattern that a lot of these cyber attacks start picking up, you know, in the summer months. Uh, and as I say, the reason is because is one, from an infosec uh, side of this information security, there's a lot less staff. Uh, as I said, people are taking vacations. Uh, so your normal uh, security uh, team uh who may be fully staffed during the normal part of the year, and, you know, if someone's out sick or something, they can pull on. Um, but now, as I said, people are going to be out for weeks on end, uh, vacations kind of uh, stumbling on top of each other. You have a lot less staff to triage alerts quickly. So it's a perfect thing for that. The other reason why this is popular is because, as I said, uh, your regular corporate uh, employees, your, 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 your co-workers, they're also on vacation. Now, there's a big thing where uh, if you're not one of the newer generations, if you're like millennials or above, you may still be checking your email and doing some work while you're on vacation. And I am 100% guilty from this every time I've ever had a job and every time I've ever been on vacation, it has been, I need to check in what's going on. I need to answer a few emails. And, and mostly I do this on the off time for me. You know, when we're not at the beach, we're not out, we're not doing things. You know, just home at night and the kids are in bed, I'll answer a couple emails. Uh, but 
that causes a problem because people tend not to be in the corporate security world when they're checking stuff from the beach. Uh, they may be a little more lax on their uh, their cybersecurity wits about them and may click things they normally wouldn't. Uh, and kind of the third thing I'll say is, you know, big reason just kids are in school or done school for the summer that kind of ties into vacations. Plus, I don't know if you have kids, but sometimes trying to work from home, it gets a little distracting sometimes. Yeah, your kids need you for something, or they're fighting, or anything along those lines. I love my children, but sometimes they are a distraction and cause me to have to work a little later during the day. So those are all the reasons why, you know, this can be a more dangerous time of year. Now, talking to the patterns, uh, back uh, in the summer of 2022, um, we had noticed a there was a, uh, a to, to, um, sorry, I, this is one of those things where I explain it in my head and don't explain it in person. So to explain the patterns that I see here, in summer of 2022, uh, the LA Unified School District was hit by a ransomware attack on Labor Day weekend in the traditional US summer-based school. Um, Microsoft uh, in 2022, during the summer, said there was an increased wave of Office 365 logins from suspicious origin of countries. Now, some of these I will write off 100% are people traveling. If I all of a sudden go to Europe, that would be by Microsoft a suspicious country of origin. Or uh, maybe a dangerous IP address because I'm using something that's uh, not my normal ones. So those have gone up, even discounting the ones that may be legit, they're still. Uh, illegitimate sources that kind of uh, bring up in that in that summer of 2022. Back in summer of 2021, there was the largest ransomware attack in U.S. history. Uh, that was the Colonial Pipeline one, uh, and that began right around Mother's Day, so a little earlier than what I'm saying right now is the summer season. But this is where you know the stuff kind of starts. Um, there was also uh, the uh, meat packer JBS was hit by Revil, uh, our evil, uh, however you want to say it. Ransomware on Memorial Day weekend in 2021, and Kaseya was attacked during the Independence Day holiday back in 2021. So, as I said, this is the season where if you're not in information security, if you're just in IT, if you have any kind of view into your systems, this is the time where you treat things with a little more suspicion than you normally would. You, you, you don't let things slide. You just all of a sudden, all right, no, I don't feel like this is normal. Investigate, because... Hackers know our patterns. They know, you know, if you're a U.S. company in the summertime, you are going to be more short-staffed than any other time. And I, I don't know if that goes the same for Europe as well. But it it, it targets, they, you know, weekends. Maybe not have a full team uh, monitoring stuff. That's why weekends are always uh, time to be hit. Um, they know 9 to 5, so they, they try to hit things that are off of those nine to five hours. Once again, all this stuff is, is stuff that they've learned over time. And this holiday season is just one being that, you know, vacation time. Now, uh, to add on to this, because security teams and information technology teams are lower than usual, uh, there is an inherently longer time to understand the scope of any kind of attack during this period. You have to spend time to really understand what's going on there. And that delays the, the, the ability for us to 
you know, contain it. You have to understand it and how big it is in order to start the containment. And, you know, it just takes longer to figure out and then recover it. Because you have less staff, you have less people to pull in. It's a little harder to deal with. Uh, and as I said, employees being away from their, their home office or their workstation um, tend to have a higher susceptibility to uh, social engineering and phishing attacks. They're not as focused as they would be in the office. Um, and, and honestly, <laughs> sometimes I'm not that focused in the office. Um, there's something else going on or other things. But there's something to say in your either home office or your actual office that kind of makes you think twice before clicking. Uh, where you may not be doing that if you're on a beach or on a cruise or whatever you're doing for your vacation time. Um, so all adds to reasons uh, to be targeted. So really, what can you as the technology person or the, um, or even, a, you know, honestly, some of these are, even if you're a, a, you know, a normal, everyday, non-business person with your personal accounts, what can you do to make sure that you keep safe? And I'll kind of intermix these together. If you, if you work in IT or, or information security, brush off your incident response playbooks, run them through, make sure they're up to date, make sure that uh, the escalation paths are all there. You know, that's highly important. Uh, if you uh, don't regularly do a vulnerability assessment, now's a great time to do it because people will be checking out what they are in a business environment. Um, make sure that your backups are backed up and that goes personal or uh, business there. Uh, make a copy of your data, make sure it's offline, and cross your fingers that you don't actually ever have to use it, but make sure it is a legitimate backup, that it, 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 you have tested and was able to recover that data. Now, you don't really need that much if you're, if you're a, a, a person, but you want to make sure that the data you, caught, you got through any kind of, uh, whether it's copying or pasting or whatever you do, is able to be recovered. Um, if you can, Make sure snapshots are taken of your servers before the weekends. That may or may not save you for a hacker, but it's something that can't hurt. And uh, make sure that you are making sure that all employees are aware of these risks during holiday weekends. Now, if we view the regular home user for somehow listening to a security podcast, one, congratulations, two, Make sure that you are on the edge, like I explained for businesses, that you are taking the time, maybe two or three seconds longer than you normally would to make sure that that link you're going to collect, that you're going to connect in that email is what it should be. Don't open suspicious things. Don't open suspicious attachments. Don't enable macros. Um, make sure uh, when you're going out that you are, when you're using your debit or credit cards, uh, give a tug on the device in which you put your card into. Make sure the screen doesn't just, and I'm not saying like Hulk rip off the thing, but just like a slight jiggle, just to make sure that it is what it says it is and there's not any kind of card reader on that. Um, because you, know, you travel, it's more than likely, it'll take a couple of days for them to figure out the credit card theft or the debit card theft or your bank account theft. So uh, keep an eye on those, especially. I, I, I I tend to keep an eye on mine on a da daily, if not every other day basis, just to make sure the uh, charges or anything along those lines um, I'm aware of before they become bigger problems. So make sure you keep yourself safe, especially in the business sense, because they're going to target you. This is, this is their holiday season and 
This is just our vacation season. Now, I like this next story because I think it comes with a little bit of debate. Uh, and I've caught myself in this debate. Um, because there's, for a long time, it was big companies got hit because they had the pockets, they had the money. Uh, and then I kind of started seeing a trend in which hackers were targeting medium-sized businesses that didn't have all the necessary stuff that a big business would have, but would be easy enough that they could compromise, as well as small businesses. They could compromise without a lot of you know, in-depth technical knowledge or bypassing systems. Um, and they were targeted. So it's, it's been back and forth. And uh, so I, I thought there was a, a, a pendulum swing when it came to that, as in what group gets targeted more. And uh, a, a report came out from Netflix uh, over the last 12 months of cybersecurity attacks. They found that 65% of organizations that were attacked were in the enterprise sector. And when you mix them all together, when you take out you know, enterprise, small, medium, uh, and, and public, 68% uh, of all uh, organizations were the, were the victim of a cyber attack. So does it really matter if you're a big uh, conglomerate company or if you're a small mom and bob or anywhere in between, uh, you're getting hit? And the report, which is not something that should be anyone uh, who listens to the show be shocking, uh, the most common uh, way in is phishing. And then they kind of use either ransomware or occasionally you're getting user account compromise. So phishing and user account compromise are the number one cyber attacks people see, and then uh, usually ransomware once they are into your network. Now, in the ransomware uh, world, about 48% of enterprises in the last year uh, have seen a, you know, an attack successfully executed with ransomware. Now, whether that's all systems or one system, that's not covered in the report, but 48% of enterprises have seen some kind of ransomware attack. Now, the interesting thing is only 21% of those enterprises have reported those attacks being in the cloud as, you know, kind of being on-premise. Now, when you talk about ransomware attack and you talk about organizations of all sizes, 37% uh, of uh, organizations of all sizes so ransomware still is a more of a problem or a heavy hitter when it comes to enterprise environments. Um, it looks like maybe some other tactics are kind of working for the small or medium businesses. Now it comes back, and we kind of talked about this, you know, enterprises tend to get hit because one, they have more money. And a lot of these groups, if you really, really look at them, you really take time to investigate them. They, they operate like a business. Um, they only want to maximize their profit. So there's X, X amount of cost that they have to do to compromise the system, whether they use ransomware as a service or a, another kind of tool that they have to buy, or if they have to bypass your, your antivirus. These are all things that are costs for them. Um, and they want to make sure that they're more than likely to get money out of it. Now, the flip side of that is if you want to target an enterprise, they have a lot more tools and a lot more assets in which to catch you with. So maybe a small and medium business might be a little easier because they don't have all those tools. They may not have a dedicated information security person who is watching and protecting their environment. They may have an IT person and you want to hope that they have a 
inkling of security, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. So this is why there can be such a wide range in enterprise versus small medium businesses being attacked. Now, when it comes to the financial impact of one of these attacks, uh, enterprise uh, reported that there was about a, at least a $50,000 low-end estimate of cost financially from a disruption versus a small and medium business. So once again, this is probably just due to the nature of the businesses. A, a, a enterprise probably has to bring in a third party to do investigations and certify that the network is clean and, and you know, do a PR campaign, marketing, stuff like that. Whereas small medium business may not have to do any of that stuff, or more may not care to do it. Now, I do want to say, one of the things I really loved about this uh, report from Networks is they broke down the reported number of security incidents versus cloud and on-prem. So once again, these are all organizations who were asked about their cyber incidences. Um, and the very clear pattern is is that the easier target is always on-prem. And I thought that was kind of interesting because, you know, everything has been moved to the cloud for a lot of organizations. But if your organization is a little more cost-conscious, conscious, if, if they're aware of cost, uh, you may have a lot more things on-prem because it's a little cheaper sometimes to run that. Um, so out of all organizations, 58% um, said that there was phishing incidents, uh, whereas on-prem had 74%. I'm going to chalk a little bit of this up to that uh, bunch of exchange bugs we've talked about through the year that made exchange uh, management a living nightmare. Uh, for ransomware or other kind of malware, 19% of the incidences were in the cloud and 37 were reported on-prem. Once again, on-prem makes more sense. They want to get those files and it's a lot easier to do it that way. User account compromise. Once, uh, this is a little closer. 27% of the incidences for all businesses were cloud. 31% reported them for on-prem. So, why on-prem had the edge, those two are very close to each other. Uh, accidental data leakage. Uh, once again, very close. Uh, cloud was 20%. Uh, and on-prem was 24%. And then once again, this is all the different kind of security instances from all the different organizations they have. So it's not gonna equal 100%. Uh, here's the one where you, you see the definite swing the other way. So targeted infrastructure attack by hackers tend to target cloud more than they do on-prem. Probably because it's a lot easier to get some information from cloud environments because it's out there on the internet where, you know, on-prem, you kind of have to do the, you have to break in and then kind of do the the, the understanding of the environment. Um, for insider data theft, on-prem was slightly bigger at 18% versus 14% on, on, on in the cloud. Once again, very close to each other. Admin account compromise, 17% on-prem versus 12% um, in the cloud. Supply chain compromise. This is where... Uh, once again, cloud has a little bit of an edge at 17% versus 16% um, on-prem. And I want to say that's probably a statistical anomaly, but it's higher. And data theft from a hacker, once again, statistical anomaly between the two of them. Cloud was 15% and 16% was on-prem. So 
when you kind of look at these, you'll be able to look at this chart uh, from the show notes on the website. You can see a lot more of them tend to target on-prem environments. Uh, and I chalk this up initially after I read the article was probably because on-prem environments are easily are more easily misconfigured compared to something that's in the cloud. Uh, and I'd say that you can't misconfigure cloud. And we've talked about that a lot on the show. Um, but you tend to have a base security model from the cloud provider themselves, where you may not necessarily have that from, you know, an on-prem product. So uh, just something to think, it doesn't matter if you're small, medium, uh, or an enterprise environment, you are just pretty much as equally targetable by a hacker. It just depends on that hacker's uh, business model. You know, do they want to go through the expenses to get a bigger payback, or do they want to make something simpler? Uh, you know, quality versus quantity. That came to me as I was talking about this. That's what it. That's what it is for hackers. It, it is quantity. You know, one big quantity job where you do all this cool stuff and you have these tools and you bypass all their systems and you get a big payout. Or do you just want to hit a bunch of small uh, and medium businesses really quick without having to worry about what tools will stop you? Um, but either way. What I want you to take from this is, I don't care if you're a mom and pop shop. I don't care if you are a Fortune 2 company. Uh, you are just equally at risk. Just depends on the, you know, the risk tolerance of the hacker, you know, getting ready to attack your system. Now, for our third story this week, once again, just, this is very interesting. Um, researchers found a new way to make information security lives miserable. I don't know, like some of these other things, how viable an, an attack this might be, but it's at least viable enough to researchers have figured it out and were able to prove the concept of this kind of attack. And it's not just one group of researchers. There was three different groups of researchers uh, from Georgia Tech, from the University of Michigan, and Ruhr University Bochum. And this new flaw for lack of a better term, they've called it, is hot pixels. Um, and what it does is it looks at data-dependent computation times on your chipset and your computer and the graphical processing in your GPU. It, if you have a cheaper computer, you may have everything just built into the motherboard. If you have something that's a gaming computer, you may have a separate graphics card. But this is what they're using to be able to steal data. Uh, and they were able to extract information from visited websites on Chrome and Safari, even with some of the latest side channel counter countermeasures enabled. So the base out, out of the door, um, Chrome and Safari that have built in ways to stop people from stealing your data, this, this still worked on it. And the reason this works is because uh, modern processors, whether it's your local processor or your graphics processor, struggle to balance power consumption requirements and heat dissipation limitations. So if you haven't ever built your own computer or gotten your hands inside a computer, there's always a fan that keeps your processor cool. And especially there's multiple sometimes when you have a you know video game processor in the mix. Now, think about heat because they're, they're doing the work. Um, and if you didn't have that fan on your processor or the fans in your computer, your computer can overheat. In fact, uh, I want to say almost six months ago, I had something similar where 
the fan on my processor was not doing the job it should have been doing. And I was getting alerts from my computer saying, look, your processor's like almost 300 degrees Fahrenheit. Not necessarily a temperature you want your computer to run. So I had to get some um, more fans in there and, and, and a water cooling system um, because my computer's a little more beefier. Um, but that's what happens is, is, is your computer will heat up trying to do all the processing. And there are limits that the computer will try to enforce upon itself to keep things on the cooler side, to so slow down processing, stuff like that. And that's what this kind of new tactic called Hot Pixels is using. And it's kind of funny because you figure the, the, there's, there's power, there's processing, all this you know consumption limits. Uh, and you can kind of see through you know, built-in software, uh, most things will have, you probably just need software to see it, will tell you what the temperature is of those things, how hot your processor is, how hot your your graphics card is uh, and stuff like that as well as the, the the power draw in it and stuff like that so by analyzing the frequency the power and the temperature um, they can kind of gain this information and what I thought was interesting especially about this art uh, this article and this um, report they put out is that passively cooled system so it's just something that doesn't have a magic fan on it it's not necessarily something like mine that's water cooled or something that's actively throwing more uh, air for a higher use. So passively cooled processors can leak information using power and frequency, where actively cooled chips leak data through temperature and power readings. And so it doesn't matter what kind of, you know, whether you have a high-end chip or low-end chip or you know, cooling system, all that means nothing to this thing. So the interesting thing is the attack, they used an iframe element, which is a piece of coding that some web pages do to put a page in a page without you seeing it. Or sometimes they do see it. You used to see it a lot in the, in, in the 90s and early 2000s internet. Um, we'd have like the, the sidebar on one, you click it and it would reload thing in the middle, but the sidebar would never reload. That's, that's an, what an iframe was. Um, but they said they still use them. You may just not see them as often. They usually don't have the bars there. It's kind of hidden. But it's a page and a page. So they use an iframe el uh, element at, on an attacker-controlled website. That the One of the iframe's contents has sensitive information, you know, whatever they're getting from your computer, your you know, bank account information, credit cards, whatever, whatever they've stolen and written to a code. Once again, the... the the researchers who did this aren't the bad guys, so they just kind of put sensitive information um, on this iframe and made it invisible. It matches the same color as, or they put a, a, an image thing on there called an SVG filter on top of it. So it's invisible. You cannot see it. But your computer still renders that information, whether you can see it or not. And they were able to use that to kind of get information out there. Um, so it's very interesting that this kind of attack is hypothetically possible. This is not someone has been using this in the public. So don't have to worry about it there. This is just uh, researchers pushing the edge and making people like me just utterly paranoid for no reason. But that's what they do, and this is what we do. Um, so, you know, what can you do? So Nothing, really. There's nothing you can do to protect yourself from this. But feel better knowing that people out there are working to do better things for it. So the researchers discovered... Uh, are, disclosed their finding after they discovered it to Apple, NVIDIA, AMD, Qualcomm, Intel, and Google back in March. 
all the vendors, which I love, didn't play the game. That doesn't affect us. They acknowledge the issue and they're working to mitigate them. I don't think we'll ever hear when they do, but unless someone figures out the coding for it. Um, now, the, the researchers did say this only works well on devices that quickly reach a stable state of power, like smartphones. Though the ones they test on smartphones, the data leak was generally pretty small. Now, vendors and stakeholders have already uh, discussed some solutions, like restricting the use of SVG filters, the, the filter they put on top of the thing to make it look invisible, and iframes, which I'm not a web designer. I'm de design, I mean, I design my own web pages, but I'm not like a real web designer, so I don't have to know how much iframes are still a thing. Um, what I was doing in the 90s and early 2000s, I loved iframes. I just don't know how often they're used in modern web design. So if that's not a problem, let's get rid of them. Let's, let's lessen the surface of attack here. Um, but these are all vendor things and partners. Uh, they're dealing with this. You don't have to. But it's good to know that this flaw was found by people looking for flaws. But it's so highly complex right now that I wouldn't look for any groups to do it. Though, if you're being targeted by some nation-state hacker, maybe they could put this together. But your average Joe Schmo or gang of criminals are not going to use this tactic. It's going to be someone who's probably on the spycraft level. So, and as I said, the vendors are looking to fix it. So, just a neat thing I think you should know, but don't be overly panicked like me about it. Now, for our final story this week, uh, I want to talk about the Legion Credential Harvester. It is a Python-based credential harvester. I, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know why I said it twice. Uh, that was discovered about last month. Um, and the first generation of it was pretty, it, it was pretty wicked, uh, but they've added some new things, which I really want you to be aware of. Um, they've added features like any good, you know, software designer, hackers do the same thing. They add new features and the new variants that we see out there in the wild now, um, are targeting credentials associated with Larval web applications and SSH servers. So it's gearing up to tech these two things uh, in hopes that they could exploit some of the cloud services that are out there. Uh, and this was found out by uh, Caddo Labs researchers. The malware steals credentials from misconfigured web servers running PHP framework, such as uh, Laravel. It scans uh, for environmental variables on the web server for default path areas. So if you just leave it in the configuration which it should be um this thing will scan for it so so it'll look for uh things such as uh lib slash dot env so the library or, or cron jobs it looks for these kind of things in the uh, environments and it's hoping to find that th these uh, environmental variables are publicly accessible probably because you forgot to hide them or due to a misconfiguration and then it tries to save that information, which may have some credentials stored in them. Um, and then once it's able to retrieve credentials from um, from either misconfigurations, or it can go to other uh, services and try to use these credentials. Um, that includes like DynamoDB, Amazon CloudWatch, and AWS Now, now 
I should say that variant we found last month is already capable of stealing credentials from SMTP services, including some email providers, uh, payment platforms, databases, server management systems. So it has been well built to sit there and steal credentials and use them over and over again. Now, as I said, the new variant has the ability to also target SSH servers. Um, it uses a, a library called Paramico to parse the list of exfilled database credentials. And then once it kind of finds something that should match something in your environment, maybe you found it in some other system, it will sit there and try to use those to log on to the host by SSH. Very dangerous. And honestly, don't don't have SSH available on the outside. And honestly, no other computer on your internal network, unless it needs to use SSH, should ever use SSH. Um, so the way you can protect yourself from this simple uh, kind of growing attack is because Legion uses server misconfiguration as its main intrusion tactic, if I, I always recommend a third party. I always recommend a third party. You can't afford it, but really a third party should come in and audit any of your digital assets that are exposed uh, to the internet. You can do it internally, but sometimes people miss stuff that, you know, they may have configured. You need someone else uh, to, to kind of check that stuff and kind of bring your risk score down a little bit. Because if you configure things yourself, you're going to easily miss those same configuration items. That keeps your uh, assets pretty high on the internet uh, to be vulnerable or breached somehow, or you know, have a misconfiguration you, you don't see. <clears throat> now, also because this kind of attack uses default paths and variable names, avoid that where possible, um, especially when you're storing uh, any kind of secrets in the environment, passwords, API keys, whatever. Make sure you're changing those variable names where possible and you're documenting where they are so that you don't mess up other programmers. Uh, this has kind of always been a thing uh, that I always thought was interesting because I, I think about it when I do um, configurations for major things that I know people are looking for. Mail traffic, uh, websites sometimes, um, FTPs, SFTPs. I try to use a, a, a different port. Not that necessarily will stop things, but it'll just make things not as easily. So by changing the port, um, and I do this all the time on my home networks, uh, I very rarely do I use 80 or 8080 or 443 uh, for internal traffic. Now going out, I have to, there's a lot of the services to use them, but if I have an internal web host, I guarantee you it is not 80, 8080 or 443. I've changed those ports just so that uh, I have a little bit of mystery if someone's looking at our traffic. Now, I'm not saying that, once again, they cannot figure that out. Anyone can figure it out. It just adds a small layer of obfuscation to my network that I that I like. Maybe it gives me a couple more seconds to detect someone on my network. Um, it's not always feasible. I understand that. But I, I highly recommend it, if you can get away with it, that you change uh, environmental paths and names where you can and document where they are because you're going to need them later just to make sure that you are keeping safe. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, you can go on our website, cybersecuritynewsbyte.com, to see the show notes, which has all of the information I've given you with links, uh, giving you even more information about these stories that we have talked about today. Um, you can also, uh, you know, find all of our past shows with their show notes. All that information is all there. 
Don't forget, you can always reach out to me, me at jimguckin.com for any kind of questions or if you want to talk, hey, I'm here. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to my personal website, jimguckin.com and make sure you stay safe online and we'll talk again next week. You've been listening to the Cybersecurity News Byte with Jim Guckin. Learn more about our show at cybersecuritynewsbyte.com. 